Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm your producer, Joshua Rowe, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. Recently, Rob completed a teaching series entitled Save, Sing, and Share the Hymns. This course will teach you how the book of Psalms was arranged and motivate you to create a personal hymn book inside your mind. You'll also journey alongside a young music minister as Rob guides him through 60 classic hymns we should never lose. This unique course includes a downloadable guide to the book of Psalms, live music samples of select hymns, and a bonus interview with worship professor Vernon Whaley. For a limited time, we're offering this nine-session online course at a 50% discount. Visit robertjmorgan.com and click on the Courses link to find and enroll in this self-paced study using any computer or mobile device. And now here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. Hello there and good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm so glad that you've joined this podcast. I, I just want to begin by saying that yesterday was a wonderful day. I've been counting my blessings because I began with my quiet time and then had a good meeting with my senior pastor, Tommy Swindle. Then my young new college intern came in, Luke Tyler, to begin working with me and for me and uh Together, uh, we're going to do some tremendous things. And he immediately began taking burdens off of my shoulders. And I got a lot of work done yesterday. And then, to top it off, I have never been able to go walking in my community because the street that I live on doesn't have any sidewalks. And it's a very busy little two-lane road. But a new development has got in across the street that put in broad sidewalks, looks like greenways. Eventually, I think they're going to go for a long way. But even now, I can go out my front door, down the driveway, across uh, the little patch of lawn that I have, cross the street, and I'm at my own now walking trail within just right outside my front door. And so I went for a two-mile walk last night and ended the day, and everything just felt so good about yesterday. Maybe uh, today or tomorrow may not be so good. We trust the Lord when it is. We trust the Lord when it isn't. But it's been a wonderful week so far. And it, to, to, to cap it all off, here, here you are joining me on this podcast. So thank you very much. This is a series of episodes called Unstoppable on the Unstoppable Nature of the Church of Jesus Christ as we see it described in the book of Acts. And today I want to deal with uh, the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul and Acts 15 through 18, and then I'm going to take you somewhere else. I think that the theme of this podcast has to do with the complexity and yet the simplicity of our relationships. Now, we know that God is very complex. He is more complex than any of us know. His complexity extends to infinity. All of his attributes, all of his character qualities, all of the depths of what it means that he is three and one and one and three, the remarkable, infinite, omniscient degree of his intelligence. All of this is extraordinary. We can never begin to enter into it. And we are made in his image. And so we have a certain complexity to us. Well, our relationships are complex. And yet, within that complexity, there is a simplicity. When my wife Katrina was alive, 
then we had several different layers of love or layers of our relationship. Sometimes we were very much like husband and wife. Uh, there were occasional times when she was like a mother to me, giving comfort when I was distressed. There were certain times when I was like a father to her, giving comfort or guidance to her when she didn't know what to do. There were times when we were friend and friend. There were times when we almost acted like brother and sister. There were times when it was like counselor and client. And I would say, Katrina, I've got this terrible emotional issue. And she was the best counselor you could have. There were times when we were like doctor and patient. And that was especially true, you know, in the caregiving years. So there were many different faucets or aspects to our relationship. And that is really true of every meaningful human relationship. It's wonderful, but it requires a lot of wisdom. So that is setting up for what I want to say today. And with that in mind, let's go to the book of Acts in chapter number 15. So to review what we've said so far, the Apostle Paul went out on his first missionary journey with Barnabas, and the story of that is given to us in Acts chapters 13 and 14. And they went, as you'll remember, through Cyprus and then up into Asia Minor into the region of Galatia, and then they came back to Antioch. And at the end of chapter 14, I suggested that Paul found out that some of his Galatian churches were being infiltrated by heretical Judaizers. And at that point, he wrote the letter of the Galatians to these churches that he had visited in Acts chapter 14. And then he went down with Barnabas to the council in Jerusalem, where in chapter 15, this issue of the law versus the Gentiles and what it means to be a Christian was resolved once and forever. And at the end of chapter 15, it says in verse 36, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all of the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, who had deserted them. Paul didn't, and they had such a sharp disagreement that Barnabas and John Mark went back to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas, a man from the Jerusalem church, and they took out to retrace their steps in Galatia and in Asia Minor. In chapter 16, they come to the towns of Derby and Lystra, and Paul recruits yet another young man to follow with him and to mentor, and that was Timothy. And then it says in chapter 16 and verse 6, now, I want you to notice one thing about this. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. So here Paul is wanting strategically uh, to go towards Asia and to continue evangelizing uh, in Western Asia, but somehow the Holy Spirit is preventing him. And it says in verse 9, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia. Now, Macedonia is Greece. It is northern Greece. It is Europe. And so he had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. We call this the Macedonian call. It is when Paul begins to set his sights now and the rest of his ministry on Europe. He begins moving to the west. 
And it says in verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. And the we there in chapter 16 and verse 10 indicates that Luke now, the writer of the gospel, has become a part of this touring party. So we have Paul and Silas, Timothy, and now Luke. And so they go to Philippi, and we described that in the last session, how uh, they were flogged, thrown into prison, and they were uh, uh, singing at midnight, and the earthquake came, the jailer was converted, but they eventually were thrown out of Philippi or escorted out of town. And that brings us to chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, verse 1. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. This is one of the great towns that still you can visit this area in northern Greece, where there was a Jewish synagogue. And as his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. And it says that a large number of Jews and God-fearing Greeks and prominent women were converted. So a church was established here in this northern uh, Greece, northern Greek city of Thessalonica. But it says in verse 5, other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed into Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. When they didn't find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. Christians tend to cause trouble all over the world, or as the older translations say, they've turned the world upside down. And they say Jason has welcomed them into his house. And it says the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. And so Paul and Silas uh, left the city, having established this church. They were there for some weeks at least, and they went 60 miles to the town of Berea. And then you'll notice that at the end of chapter 16, Paul went alone, having left Luke in Philippi and Silas and Timothy in Thessalonica and Berea. He went alone to Athens. We'll look at this later. He preached the message on Mars Hill. And then in chapter 18, he went to Athens. It says chapter 8, uh, to, to Corinth. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he engages in a ministry there in Corinth. And verse 18 says that Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. So he was here for quite a while, establishing a church in the city of Corinth. Meanwhile, back in Thessalonica, where this church had been started, where Timothy stayed, in order to stabilize things when Paul was driven out. Paul went on to Berea, he went on to Athens, he went on to Corinth, but Timothy stayed in Thessalonica, and eventually he left and caught up with Paul in the city of Corinth, and, and he gave him a report. So when it says in Acts 18, verse 18, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time, 
this is when, during that some time, he wrote back to the Thessalonians, and we have the letter of 1 Thessalonians. It was written right here in the book of Acts in chapter number 18 and verse number 18. I think it's very helpful to get a grasp on as much as we can when these New Testament letters of Paul were written so that we can interpret them against the context and the historical background that they were given in. So with that in mind, I want to read to you from the book of 1 Thessalonians. So remember this, this sequence. Paul went into the city. He had been beaten in Philippi. He was undoubtedly still healing. His wounds were scarring over. Uh, he was perhaps weary. He had been escorted out of town after the severe beating, but he had left a church in Philippi, and Luke apparently stayed behind um, to stabilize things there because suddenly the we passages stop again. And then he went on to Berea. Then he went on to Athens, where he didn't find a great deal of support for his message. And then he went on to Corinth, and Timothy came and said, you know that church in Thessalonica? They are really doing very well. It's true that there was a lot of rioting there and a lot of disagreement. They have faced some real pressures. Persecution has come, but you would be proud of them. They are really doing very well. They just need a little bit more instruction. They really need some more instruction from you. And so Paul sat down in some nice room and someone's villa, perhaps, a new convert that gave him a room with a table and a lamp, and he took his quill and he took some parchment and he wrote this little letter of 1 Thessalonians and sent it back to them. And here's what it says. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. 1 Thessalonians 1-2. We always thank God for all of you continually, mentioning you and our prayers we remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. He goes on to say that he is so proud of them because first they became imitators of him and of Jesus, and then they became models for the rest of the church. And then in chapter 2, he says, You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know that we never use flattery, nor did we put a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We are not looking for praise from people, not from you or anybody else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Now, notice that. He said, I could have come with a lot of authority. And once you became Christians, I could have claimed authority over you and been rather dictatorial with you. But instead, I was like a little child among you. 
I was just like a child excited and sharing with other children the wonderful things that I've learned and what it means to be a Christian and how we come to faith in Christ and how heaven is our home and how we've turned from idols to serve the true and living God and to await for his return from heaven, the glorious hope that we have. I was just like a child among you. But then he says in verse number seven, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. So he says, I was like a little child among you. I was also like a nursing mother. When my great-granddaughter Scarlett was born, I gave my granddaughter Christiana, her mother, a hymn book. And I said, why don't you rock her to sleep every day by singing the hymns to her? One lady had recommended this years before. I'd written a book called Then Sings My Soul. There are three volumes out, and they have the words and music, of, uh, the words and the, the music to the great hymns of the faith. And also a story behind those hymns, I'd recommend it to you. Check out Then Sings My Soul, books one, two, and three. But a lady wrote to me, and she said, you know, I grew up listening to the hymns my mother sang through the entire Lutheran hymn book as she nursed me when I was a baby. And I thought, what a great idea. No wonder this lady now is a choir director and involved in worship ministries at her church. And so today, I got a beautiful picture of... Uh, my little granddaughter Scarlett rocking in her mother's arms as her mother sang, How Great Thou Art. Christiana said it took all four verses of How Great Thou Art, and then she was asleep. So imagine how a nursing mother dotes over, cares for, is concerned for, is tender with her little baby. Paul said, that's the way I was with you. I was like a child sharing with children in excitement, but I was like a nursing mother giving care. And then he says in verse 9, Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while preaching the gospel to you. Now, when Paul got to um, Corinth, he didn't have a great deal of money until Timothy came from Philippi. So we would assume that in Thessalonica, Paul also didn't have a great deal of money, so he got a job as a tent maker. He could do some things like that to earn some money just for his food, probably. That's about all that he needed. Maybe a little repairs occasionally on his clothing. But, uh, but he would work so that he wouldn't take up love offerings from the people he was trying to evangelize. And so he said, I was just... Uh, working among you like a brother, like a sister. He called them my brothers and sisters. There is another level of love. So when we relate to other Christians, we are members of the same family. You can go anywhere in the world and meet a Christian, and suddenly you've met a brother. You've met a sister. I'm, I can sometimes be instantly bonded with a believer in another country because there is a family connection here. We have the same heavenly father, and so we are brothers and sisters. So he says, we worked night and day not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel to you. In verse 10, you are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For, we, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father 
deals with his own children. So Paul is obviously here mixing up related metaphors, saying, I was among you like a little child. I was among you like a nursing mother. I was among you like brothers and sisters. And now I was among you like a father. Now, what does a father do? This might be the best verse on fathering in the entire Bible. He says, we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, doing three things, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. That is a father's main responsibility, encouraging, comforting, and urging his children to live lives worthy of God. But then we come to verse 17, and Paul refers to his being driven out of town, torn away from them, and separated from them. He says, brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly, I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. So he said in chapter 3, when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens, and we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service and spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. So Paul sent Timothy back. I said earlier that he left Timothy there, but according to this verse, Paul and Timothy went on to Berea and then Athens, and Paul was so concerned about the Thessalonians that he sent Timothy back to Thessalonica, and he said to them, I feel like I have been orphaned from you. And we feel that way when we're separated from those that we love, from brothers and sisters um, in the Christ. I feel that way with my wife in heaven. I have been orphaned in a way. I feel like that with Dear friends who are serving the Lord all over the world, I would love to be with them and just share a meal with them or have a cup of coffee with them or spend an evening with them. But for a while, we're separated. It's as though we have been orphaned because our level of love and fellowship is that deep. But Paul said, I was very gratified. Timothy has come back and given us a good report. And he really devotes chapters 1, 2, and 3 to sharing those levels of love, those relationship metaphors with the Thessalonians. And then in chapter 4 and 5, he gives them the instruction, the further instruction that they need. So this is what I wanted to share with you today. Just notice that the Apostle Paul went from Philippi, where he was beaten, to Thessalonica, where he established the church. He was driven out from there. He went to Berea, and then he went from there to Athens. He was worried about the Thessalonians, and so he sent Timothy back to them. And Paul tried to get some traction in Athens. He didn't, so he went on to Corinth, and there he found people wanting to believe. He spent a great deal of time in Corinth, and while he was there, Timothy arrived and said, I've got news from from the Thessalonians. They're doing wonderfully. And Paul wrote back, and he said, I am so glad for this report. You know, our relationship is like a relationship of young children sharing delights together. A nursing mother 
caring for her children, brothers and sisters engaged in a deep relationship of love, a father concerned for his children, giving them encouragement and comfort and urging them to live a life worthy of the gospel and feeling like an orphan when at times we're separated. Isn't that a wonderful five-fold way of evaluating our relationships? So let me just ask you, how best can you serve someone in your life? You don't have to think a great deal about it. It should come naturally. How can I serve someone? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so to someone, you just are with them like a child sharing excitedly as other children. As a mother providing nourishment and care as brothers and sisters sharing fellowship, as a father giving encouragement, comfort, and urging them to live a life worthy of the Lord, and at times periods of separation that make us feel like orphans because the love is so deep. But knowing that we have all of eternity to fellowship because our relationships in Christ never come to an end. Christians never say goodbye for the last time. We only part to meet again. So that's the podcast for this week. I hope that you'll continue to study the book of Acts with me and also to check out my other resources, including the aforementioned books, Then Sings My Soul, book one, two, and three. And by the way, be watching for this. There's a book coming out this summer. Uh, it's a wonderful um, collection of hymns from which I develop devotions. It's going to be called A Song in My Heart, 366 Devotions from the Great Hymns for Every Day of the Week. It's being published by Baker, uh, Baker, Baker Bookhouse, B-A-K-E-R, Baker Bookhouse. Uh, you can, I think it's available even now for pre-order on Amazon. So check that out as well, as long as my resources at robertjmorgan.com. Well, may the Lord equip you with everything good for doing His will. May He work in you what is pleasing to Him, to whom be the glory forever and ever. And may God be with you until we meet again. <laughs>